Hi, everybody. I'm Lisa Bynum-Stevens, podcast host for 12 Afternoons of Hope. And I'm so excited to share with you part four of my Sweet Things Bible Study series. If you're joining in today for the first time, I send you a huge hug and welcome from Ontario, Canada, where I'm located. I feel like I have a true word of encouragement for someone out there today, especially if you're feeling really, uh, really discouraged. So if that's you, make sure you let me know how this word touched your heart by emailing me at 12afternoonsofhope at gmail.com. And, or you can message me on 12 Afternoons of Hope Facebook page for sure. And I'll be honest, this word came to me in the middle of me encouraging a friend. And then also I felt a little bit discouraged about the pile of things I have to do. And, um, you know, it's so easy to be discouraged. It really is. And so listen to this message. And as I said, I really hope it does encourage you, especially to take the next step in wherever you are in your journey. By the way, I always post worship songs, so if you go to the uh, Facebook page, 12 Afternoons of Hope, um, you will see some worship songs. And in this case, this is actually uh, a word that should have been uh, posted back in June, but I had a death in the family, so I'm a little bit behind schedule. However, something interesting happened with this podcast, so I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, but as, as I indicated, we are on part four of the Sweet Things Bible Study series. So, so far we have learned about honey, figs, and pomegranates and what they have to do with us as people. So guess what sweet thing I will be reviewing with you today? Apples, yes, apples, the famous apples. And so, you know what I did first? I Googled how many apples we eat and then I got sidetracked by a pick your own site and it said basically that we have 7,500 types of apples in the entire world. And I, I'm like, maybe I've eaten maybe 12 in my entire life. <laughs> Even that I thought was mind boggling, but 7,500 types of apples. That's a lot of apples. And we consume apples in a bunch of different ways. They're really, they really are a very versatile fruit. And so I know personally, I like making apple crisps. I've, I've always aspired to make an apple pie, but I haven't done it yet. Um, but apple crisps, apple crumble, I like doing those uh, those recipes or making those recipes for sure. Um, I've even one time I put apples inside of a sausage recipe and it tasted really good. So we use apples in a variety of different ways. And you know what? Show the world right now how much you like apples. On the Facebook page, 12 Afternoons of Hope, go for it. Post your favorite apple recipe even right now. And I'll tell you right now, I'm going to look at them. I'm going to try some for sure. So like other foods that I've studied with you so far in the Sweet Things series, apples also are cited as being very, very healthy for you. And of course, this series is not really about promoting health. I'm not a doctor. You know, I am a, for those of you that know, I'm a counselor, therapist, I'm an entrepreneur, I write, um, I do wellness presentations, um, I'm an officiant for weddings and, you know, baby ceremonies and funerals, but I'm definitely not a doctor. So, but I, I will say that so far we've studied figs, pomegranates and honey, and now we're on apples and I have not seen any site or any source that says that apples are not good for you. On the contrary, they're really good for you. So no wonder we have that saying, an apple a day keeps a doctor away. So as I 
learned about apples, I also learned that they originated in the Middle East in an area between Caspian and the Black Sea more than 4,000 years ago. So it's no wonder that apples appear in the Bible. So let's check out to see what the Bible has to say about apples. So turn with me in your Bible, whether it's a handheld Bible or you're looking online, you got your phone, whatever. What I mean, it's amazing how many different types of Bibles we have nowadays. But turn into your Bible or turn into uh, whatever Bible you have and um, look at Zechariah chapter 2 with me. Zechariah chapter 2, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 1. So it says, Then I raised my eyes and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, Where are you going? And he said to me to measure Jerusalem to see what is its width and what is its length. And there was the angel who talked with me going out, and another angel was coming out to meet him, who said to him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls, because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her, and I will be the glory in her midst." Up, up, flee from the land of the north, says the Lord, for I have spread you abroad like the four winds of heaven, says the Lord. Up, Zion, escape, you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon. For thus says the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. For surely I will shake my hand against them, and they shall become spoil for their servants. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming, and I will dwell in your midst, says the Lord. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and they shall become my people, and I will dwell in your midst. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, and the Lord will take possession of Judah as his inheritance in the Holy Land, and will again choose Jerusalem. Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for he is aroused from his holy habitation. So let's focus on verse 8. It says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, He sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. For surely I will shake my hand against them, and they shall become spoil for their servants. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. In this passage, a prophet of God, Zechariah, was talking to God's people after they have been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. You imagine being in captivity for 70 years, 70 years. Babylon, for those of you who don't know, Babylon was the capital of Babylonia, a kingdom in ancient Mesopotamia between 18th and 6th centuries BC, so before Christ. And at this time, Cyrus was the king of Persia. They called him Cyrus the Great. And he reigned between 600 or 576 to 530 BC. 
He was the monarch under whom the Babylonian captivity actually ended. So in the first year of, of Cyrus's reign, he was promoted or prompted rather by God to decree, to decree that the temple in Jerusalem shall be rebuilt and that such um, or the Jewish people can return to their land for this specific purpose, to rebuild the temple. So some of the Jewish people chose to remain in Babylon, but others returned to Jerusalem with a lot of apparent enthusiasm, of course, right, to rebuild the temple. Now take a wild guess how it really was for them. Well, the encouragement deflated to discouragement because there was tons of obstacles uh, for them. You can imagine, right? Such a big task to, to go back, first of all, such a big task to you know, rebuild the temple. And so this word from God through the prophet Zechariah came in the form of vision to encourage the people. Now check this out. I got goosebumps. I mean, in fact, right now I'm getting goosebumps. But this passage in Zechariah chapter 2 is about a vision and it associates God's people as being the apple of his eye. It's ironic that this phrase is in this passage with a vision as we need to see and have vision through our eyes, right? So verse eight again, for thus says the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. You know what? Just sit in this for a minute. In fact, I just made an executive decision to make this Sweet Things series, this podcast, part four, about apples and divide it into three parts because each part when I studied each part it was just so yummy and I feel like this one part is just so important by itself it needs to have its own podcast really it does so I know that decision is by the power of the Holy Spirit so I'm just gonna let him do what he needs to do and follow his leading so I'm gonna slow this whole podcast down divide it into four into three parts rather so this is part one so listen and let it slowly, slowly just land in your spirit. You are the apple. We are the apple of God's eye. You may be dealing with a lot of challenges right now, like kind of like how I was and, and the hows and the water herbs and, you know, how am I going to do this or how is this going to work out? You know what? So was I. And do you feel like a fruit pit thrown away by circumstances? Well, the word of God says, that we are not a fruit pit, but the apple of God's eye. You know what? I would encourage you even to write that down. I am the apple of God's eye. Put, you know, put verses on your screensaver. I always encourage people to do that. Um, change them up, obviously. You might have the same verse. You might Google image it and have the same verse in different images. But by all means, have it always in front of you, right? And it helps you, obviously, to... Uh, memorize it, but to meditate on it and really let it sink in your spirit for sure. So let's examine further this, this idea of being or of us being the apple of God's eye further or the apple of his eye, as it says in this particular passage in Zechariah chapter 2. So another packet passage is uh, Psalm 17 verse 8. It says, keep me as the apple of the eye Hide me in the shadow of your wings. And so 
in this passage in Psalms, we get more info as to why God would inspire the authors in both Zechariah and Psalms to use this phrase. And specifically, as it says, Psalm 17, verse 8. Now, just to give you some background, Bible scholars indicate that Psalm 17 sounds like it was written by King David, but we're not quite sure. What we know about David's life, though, especially as written in the Bible, does kind of reinforce that this psalm may be one that David would have written. It sounds like it kind of reflects a time in his life and that intimate kind of cry that he had for God. I mean, David had a tough life, both personally and professionally. Being king was not easy, but his personal life was pretty tough as well. Some of it was his fault and some wasn't. And you know what? It doesn't matter who you are, and that's good indication. Um, you can be the average person like the, you know, like God's people going back to rebuild the temple. That represented a whole bunch of different people. But specifically, Psalm 17, if it really was written by David, then that shows you even a king can have difficulties. We all make mistakes. We're not, you know, we all fall into trouble, whether it's our fault or not. We're not immune to trouble. Even me. I mean, I'm a counselor. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm immune to trouble, right? Regardless, check out that Psalm 17 strengthens the concept of apple of his eye, us being the apple of God's eye. It was actually written years later, or as it was written again years later by Zechariah, right? It's, I mean, these two passages are not written at the same time. They're written by two different people, and they're years apart. But why the concept of the eye? One Bible commentary points out that the eye is a delicate but important part of our bodies. The eye, or our eyes, are surrounded and protected by some serious other systems, um, other body parts. Eyelashes, which kind of fascinate me in all honesty. Uh, eyebrows. Eye-related bone structure, right? And even the hair on our heads and our foreheads all protect our eyes. And notice that if you need glasses, like I wear glasses and contact lenses actually, um, we put them on and they also can protect your eyes. I, I do some particular crafts that, um, you know, it might have shattered pieces of glass or tile and I might put on safety glasses. And bottom line is that glasses not only help us to see, but they sometimes they actually do protect our eyes, right? And support our eyes. Um, in fact, note too that the eyes um, actually has two types of doctors. There's optometrists and ophthalmologists. And not all body parts actually have two types of doctors assigned to them. But that will show you how important the eyes are. And that eye health is so important. And that, you know what, eye health is actually said that if, you know, basically if the eyes are not working well, it can impact the rest of your body and vice versa, right? But that's another podcast. <laughs> um, if we go back to Zechariah chapter two, specifically how it says of his eye, in the Hebrew, it carries with it the translating meaning of ayin, an eye by analogy, a fountain as the eye of the landscape, so the eye is a protected body part strategically placed to see, 
to its broad details of the landscape in front of it, the things with life. Lord have mercy. So I'm honestly, so some of you know that I love gardening, right? So I, I, I'm going to try my best not to get off topic, but wow, to have a blank landscape as a gardener is like handing a paintbrush to an artist or a car to mechanic, right? So, but why apples in relation to eyes? Why do these two passages in Psalm 17 and Zechariah 8 refer to apples in relation specifically to eyes? And so in Zechariah 2, the Hebrew word for apple has the meaning baba or baba. The correct saying is baba. So something hallowed as a gate, i.e. the pupil of the eye, right? Apple of the eye. Something hallowed by or as a gate. And when I saw the word hallowed in this Hebrew meaning, I remembered that this has a, an associated meaning as holy and as deemed to be righteous. So Zechariah further strengthens the concept of our protectiveness as God's people, as indicated in Psalm 17 verse 8, as we work for God by adding on that we are an we are untouchable as the apple of his eye. Zechariah indicated in 2 verse 8 that God's people are untouchable. We're untouchable apples of his eye. And the word touches is repeated twice. So I know from being a Bible scholar, from going to seminary, um, that if something happens twice in the Bible, if whether it's a situation or if words repeat then they're really important so i'm really taken back over the fact that god tells us twice that we are we are untouchable right it's like a warning almost in this passage in zechariah chapter two it is one of those if you don't hear it again let me say it again moments for thus says the Lord God of hosts, after glory he has sent me against the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. This, this word touches has a Hebrew meaning of naga, beat, be able to bring down, cast, come nigh, draw near, get up, happen, join, near, plague, reach up, smite, strike, or touch. Now, in both Zechariah 2 and Psalm 17, God's people were in, in, in a discouraging and a potentially hard or, da or dangerous times as they were trying to get God's work done. But they were challenged by circumstances and those around them, right? Um, however, God said in both passages, if they felt a real or perceived sense of being beaten down or that a force was against them, that that force is actually messing with God's dear apples. I'm going to say this out loud based on this passage. God help the forces that come against us because we are God's apples. Don't touch us. <laughs> How's it go? Um, we're the untouchables, so to speak. I'm going to end right here. Or that old song. I remember that old song, Can't Touch Us, right? I'm showing my age there. <laughs> but I'm going to end right here and, and I'm going to pray for us because this is so important. 
As I mentioned earlier, this apple section has proven to me to be actually three parts. And it makes me smile as I started this word by saying that apples are a fruit that, use, that are used in multiple ways. So it seems to have shown itself with this part of our Sweet Things Bible Study series that God seems to be using apples in his word to provide us with multiple sweet um, thoughts about us, right, in relation to God. So this first way he has shown us that he opens door for, doors for us and leads us to do amazing things. But these moments can be discouraging, not e easy, and that he actually knows it. The fact that Zechariah um, uh, 2 and Psalm 17 is in the Bible shows us that God knows that we can face hard times serving him. And that number two, we are God's apple of his eyes. It is a statement. It's not, it's not a question. It's just a fact. It's a term of endearment, like a father talking to his child that he loves. God loves us and thinks of us like that. We're the apple of, of his eye. And as the apple of his eye, we are in a protective stance. No matter what is thrown our way to discourage us or get us off track, we are in a protective stance. The way ap our eyes are protected in our, in our bodies, right? And that number four, ungodly forces who want to harm us, Man, I tell you right now, they need to back off. We are the apples of God's eyes with Jesus having the victory on the cross. He is untouchable, and so we are also untouchable in him. I'm going to pray over us right now about these truths and what you may be facing today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the truth behind it, and I thank you, Lord, for so awesomely and so lovingly telling us that we are the apples of your eyes and also showing us that we are protected, especially when we're doing your work. And so, Lord, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, this word will not return void in any one of our lives, but it will go forth and accomplish what it was meant to accomplish. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the work he did on the cross. And I thank you for the victory in that work. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you everyone for listening with this into this podcast today. I'm so honored that you checked in to hear me and to hear what God's laid on my heart. Please share it with other people, coworkers, friends, neighbors, whoever, especially if you know someone's really discouraged. As I said, I'm Lisa Bino Stevens. I'm the founder of 12 Afternoons of Hope. And I'm going to sign off right now and to get on with the rest of my day. And I will be back soon, probably before the end of this month, with the second part of this Apple's Bible Study Series, Part 4, in the Sweet Things Series. So you go ahead and have a wonderful day. And remember, you are the apple of his eye.